This is a Demon FM podcast. Please be warned, this podcast contains explicit themes. You are listening to Crimecast, the podcast where we talk about murder, mystery, and conspiracy. With us, Emily and Jasmine. Hello. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Crimecast. Yes. How are you, Emily? I'm all good. I'm all good. Been home this weekend. It was my dad's birthday, so... Nice. Had some time with the family. That was nice. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Just came back from a weekend in Brighton, so that was nice. Yeah. The weather wasn't too bad until we left and it started chucking it down, so... Well, they knew what to do. The gods knew what to do. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right, so today we are looking into the Becky Watts case. Yes, we are. Right, so who is Becky Watts? Becky um, was known as Rebecca Watts. She was born in 1998. Um, She was from Bristol in England and she was murdered in 2015 at the age of 16. She had a series of mental health issues and suffered from anorexia and was diagnosed with an eating disorder when she was just 12 years old. Yeah, so over the years, um, she saw many doctors about her mental health and her physical health because it got quite serious. She was a quiet girl to people who didn't really know her, um, but with her close friends and her family, she was really outgoing and funny. Um, So, yeah, a lot of people thought that she was just a very quiet, timid girl. Like most of us, she felt safe at home and she enjoyed being with the comfort of her family. She saw home as an escape because she was bullied terribly at school and poor Becky found herself being trapped in a situation by a boy at school threatening to expose her indecent pictures of her when Becky had exchanged with him. However, she lived with a loving family that made Becky start to forget about her eating disorder, bullying and blackmailing. She lived with her father, Andy, and her stepmother, Angie, since the age of two. They were all incredibly close. Becky was described as inseparable from Angie. Becky also had a brother called Danny, but he lived um, with her mum. And then Angie had her own son called Nathan from a previous relationship when Becky was two. Becky was nine years younger than Nathan, so she kind of adored him and um, really wanted to be close with Nathan. So then Becky disappeared. She was last seen at her home in Crown Hill, Bristol on the morning of the 19th of February 2015 by her stepmother Angie, who suffered with multiple sclerosis, who had left the house at around 11.15 for a hospital appointment. It was like really unusual for Becky to disappear because, um, as like her family said, she was a very anxious person and didn't like really being away from like friends and family. Um, and Becky always had her phone on her and she was always checking social media just like any other teenager. So they just thought it was really weird that like no posts were being posted on social media or they didn't like this... They didn't, like, receive any texts from her or anything. Yeah, her friends actually got really concerned because, obviously, she used to be able to reply to them within, like, minutes. And her friends turned up at her house one day after having a day without contact of her. And um, when the family realised that she wasn't with her friends and wasn't with her mother, her father, Andy, called 999. How how long would it take for you to call the police if you realised that a loved one was missing? Um... I've straight away. <laughs> yeah. Really. Not a day. Especially no. for a 16 year old. No. Because I was thinking, like, say if, like, if I hadn't heard from you or if I hadn't heard from any of the guys in, like, a day or someone hadn't wrote on the group chat, yeah. it would be a bit weird. But, like, I'd sort of just be like, oh, you know, people are busy. It's life. But 
when it's a 16 year old yeah especially because she suffers so badly with anxiety and she's always on her phone talking to her friends for like you know comfort reassurance it would be weird yeah really weird do you think it was a bit weird that it took them like a day yeah definitely definitely like honestly if i don't like say if i'm at home like during summer or something and if I'm like oh I'm going to my best friend Amy's like for a bit and we're going to mm. go out into town and if I don't talk to them for the whole day like say if it's been like eight hours or something and my mum doesn't know what I'm doing she'll be like oh yeah right, yeah literally like are you okay what time will you be home do you think like yeah it's just really weird um you've got a younger brother too though Jasmine don't yeah, you so like yeah imagine 13. if he yeah exactly if he's like 10 minutes late from coming back from school my mom starts to panic really like, Do I? Oh. yeah because it's like oh my gosh what about if he didn't like cross the road all right yeah you know because I mean? oh. like, he, he's very like he's not very aware of what's going on around him and mm. I think a lot of teenagers are like that because they're like on their phone or just talking to their mates and it's like anything could happen um but yeah it's, it's weird yeah. Um, and then at first, the police definitely thought that this was just another case of a teenager running away after falling out with her parents. And um, But the police then realised how serious this was when they noticed that all of Becky's tech, like her phone, her laptop, tablet, they were all missing. But all of her social media and phone activity had been completely stopped. Although the investigation only lasted just under a fortnight, um, the case actually became the biggest investigation in Avon and Somerset. Um, and pretty much everybody in those counties knew about what was happening. Um, the first appeal for Becky Watts was on the 22nd of February, three days after she had last been seen. As police know, time is everything. There was an immense pressure on the police to find her fast. As usually, if a child or missing person hasn't been seen for 72 hours, the likelihood of them being alive is slowly slipping away. And an online campaign using the hashtag um, FindBecky was launched on social media and this literally reached 2 million people um, worldwide. Yeah, her father and grandmother appeared at a press conference appealing for her return. And um, whilst officers and volunteers were searching the local area, the police began to question the family members to start to understand more about Becky and get to know more about the family's dynamics. Um, during the questioning, they realised that Becky's stepbrother Nathan and his girlfriend Shauna were actually at Becky's house on the day she disappeared. And this kind of um, made them go straight on the, to the um, suspects list. Yeah, however, the police really struggled to pinpoint the pair down and it became a challenge to even get the pair to come down to the police station. So they finally find the pair. It actually took the police ages to actually track down um, the couple. So at first they decided to interview Shauna first and she tells the story of her day very slowly, giggles um, the whole way through, although um, it is dangerous to place the emotions of people um, who have found out like horrible news and like how they would react. But people thought it was very weird that she was giggling in her interview. Um, but honestly, as we'll show later, you'll see like a clip of her speaking about the situation and you can make up your own mind about how she reacted to the police interviewing her. So while the police were interviewing Shauna, um, she was actually giggling in her interview. So honestly, when you listen to this clip, you'll understand why the police um, suspected her in the first place. Um, and then the other, any other thing was um, just a minor thing, really. But I think some of our colleagues were trying to speak to Nathan. Just if they were part of those initial inquiries just a few days ago on... on Tuesday, I think it was. 
Um, and they sort of perceived a bit of reluctance. So, yeah. Do you have any knowledge of that? Not to my knowledge, that I wouldn't know now. No. Has, he, has Nathan had any sort of concerns about speaking to us? Not that he's told me now. No. No. Okay. If he does, I wouldn't know then. <laughs> yeah. How is he finding it? Um, he's found it quite hard, actually. Again, he's kind of more thinking, my God, if it would... Yeah, yeah. Or again, knowing how hard it would be for his mum at the moment. Yeah. You know, because Becky was almost like her daughter, daughter to her. Yeah. You know, and it is... Um, and then over the weekend... But honestly, like, just listen to how she's talking about the disappearance of her, like, partner's sibling. It's It's mm. horrible, like... You don't know what's going on in her head because, <clears throat> like the police said, like you can't go off that initially because it could just be a natural reaction, like a nervous like laugh sort of thing, you know, just sort of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. But like the fact that um, the police then noticed that both Nathan and Shauna tell the exact same thing with strictly no differences, almost as if it had been rehearsed, that's when it started to like raise some flags. I mean, even truthful people will inevitably tell some differences within their own story, as some can't remember more than others. And even if they were to slightly slip due to stress, or even if they were just still processing what had happened. They both said that they um, both heard Becky um, slam the door and run downstairs, but they never actually seen her. Um, so that kind of makes you think, like, is that actually true? Or did they just make that whole bit up? Yeah. And um, the fact that they both spoke about the day with like perfect clarity, mm. they gave methodical explanations for everything, provided minor details such as like what they watched on TV and what they were doing like their washing up from. I mean, like this is just not normal behaviour and it definitely rang bells in the investigator's mind. It was definitely rehearsed behaviours and like that's exactly what liars do. Yeah, exactly. And then major crimes unit was brought in and the police had to go around the house and, you know, do all the forensic stuff to get all the evidence. Yeah, quickly after entering their home, they found something. They found crucial evidence on the doorframe of Becky's room. Nothing was visible as it had been cleaned off. However, the UV lamp found fingerprints and blood. Yeah, so at this point, poor Becky Watts was missing for nine whole days. And finally, the police have um, forensic evidence that can prove the explanation of what happened and who was to blame. However, at this point, they still didn't know if the blood was Becky or whose fingerprint it was because they found um, blood low on the ground at waist height and on the top of the doorframe. And as Becky was only like petite, she wouldn't be able to reach the top of the door unless like she was in a struggle. Police then brought um, Nathan and Shauna back in and they questioned them separately. Um, at the same time, they begin to ask more questions about the relationship with Becky and they asked about Shauna and they asked Shauna about Nathan's relationship with Becky. Shauna then told um, the police that Nathan was sad and stressed out about Becky because she was like a sister to him. However, Nathan was in the next room telling police how his relationship with Becky was bad that he didn't like the way that she spoke to the mother, Angie, and how she treated the house with such disrespect and that she was so selfish. Isn't that weird that they was, like, both saying, like, two completely different things? Well, yeah, well, I think it was because, obviously, Shauna was trying to cover it up, being like, oh, no, it wasn't us. But in reality, Nathan was just like, I hate her. 
Yeah, exactly. The forensics came back and the police were unsurprised to hear that the blood, in fact, was Becky's and the fingerprint in the blood was Nathan's. Immediately, um, Nathan and Shauna were arrested on suspicion of kidnap. Even after nine days of Becky's disappearance, the police still believe um, she could still be alive. So it was like the matter of fact of, is she actually just kidnapped and like kept somewhere or is she dead? And there wasn't a huge like a huge amount of blood at the property, so there was a chance that she could still be alive. There is a police video of when the couple were arrested and still Nathan is relaxed and unbothered and Shauna is still quietly giggling and smiling. The police then had 24 hours to question them both. You can literally see in the um, interview tapes that the pair change. Shauna changes from playing a quiet, reserved character to a confident, intelligent, denying knowing anything of um what have happened and um yeah and her attitude changed and so did Nathan's he Nathan became blunt and short in his replies angry at the police forcing him to get answers out of him the police and forensics went to search the couple's house at the time and as the time was running out it became a matter of urgency so as the police arrived at the house, they noticed that the house was absolutely filthy. It smelled like cat feces and um, there was stuff everywhere. It was just vile. But and then they found something very strange. When they went upstairs, there was a door shut. The only door that was shut in the house and it was the bathroom and it was spotless and it smelled of bleach. Everything looked like it was just clean top to bottom, which was very strange. The detectives were immediately on that. The forensics went in and the bath tested positively for blood and lots of it. So the police literally had 24 hours to get all the evidence and get some answers. They had to quickly rely on information that the detectives could get from questioning the couple. The detectives were very selective of what they let the couple know and what they already knew. They began hinting but not outright telling them. So just one of the detectives asked Nathan if he went upstairs at all. To which a cool, calm Nathan then flipped out, started screaming, I can't remember. Um, no? Um, yes? Maybe for a little bit? This then left Nathan to think about what the police may have actually found and then, in fact, incriminate himself. So, back at the house, the investigation continues. The police found some receipts stuffed away in a box that were from the day after Becky went missing. The receipts were there for a circular store, face masks and gloves from a local hardware store. They then checked the, st- the shop CCTV and there was Nathan, 24 hours after she was missing. He was caught buying all this stuff. The detectives up at this point and hope that Becky's still alive. However, after discovering this, the detectives realised this was probably a murder case. The couple were then arrested on suspicion of murder. On day 11 of the case, Nathan knows he's running out of time and options. 10.27 on the the 2nd of March, Nathan Hunt, 28, provides the police with a written statement of him confessing to the murder of his sister, Becky Watts. So following this in an interview, um, they got Nathan to read his statement out loud and Nathan replied saying, do I have to listen? Can I put my fingers over my ears? Because he didn't want to hear what he confessed. We're going to play you a clip of his confession now. There are a couple of ways we could get around this. Obviously, I don't want that to be read to someone. (coughs) (coughs) I don't want to 
want to read this out in full again, Nathan, but what I wanted to do <clears throat> was get some more detail from you about things that you've said in it. So perhaps if I could pull out some things from what you've told us and ask you to expand on it, tell us a bit more. Does that sound right? How about if we start with this idea you had about scaring Becky? Tell me about how that started up then, how you got that idea. Uh, I don't know if it was on TV or something like that, but obviously I had a couple of dreams about... At this point, I can't keep interrupting, but do you remember the discussions we had before you came into interview? There we, there you, and I discussed you dealing with the interview. question again about the, the idea that you got and you said it might have been something on TV or you had a dream and also I came up with the idea to scare her because like to try and basically make her more appreciative mm -hmm. of life so she'd be more appreciative for other people she'd be like grateful that you know she wasn't harmed or anything like that or you know because obviously um, she'd leave things out on the floor of my mum to trip over and obviously we'd talk to her um, like so saying uh, nasty comments and talk to her like dirt on the floor so obviously we couldn't play you the entirety of the clip um, however, the letter basically had just said that his intentions were to only kidnap her and to scare her for being so disrespectful towards his mother. There are so many issues with Hunt's confession letter. He believed that his face mask would hide his identity to the girl who had known him her whole life. He was planning on just doing it just to scare her, but he had like heavy duty weapons on him. It just doesn't make sense. But he says that her death was an accident, which doesn't ring true. Mm. And when the police told um, Nathan's family about, obviously, his confession, his mum wasn't exactly surprised. Like, she knew he did it on purpose and that he was jealous of Becky, basically. Hunt then went on um, to admit about dismembering her body in the bath and put, like, her body parts into bags and boxes. I mean, um, what do you mean? Like, that's not something that you can accidentally do, is it? No. You have strategically thought out this process and have thought critically on how to dispose of her body. Like, how is that accidental? Yeah, exactly. I think that would take hours to do something like exactly. that. You need to full yeah. on think about that. Um, and like, OK, if you just wanted to scare her, you would just scare her. You wouldn't actually kill her. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And even like... But even like scaring her, scaring like a, a 16 year old girl who suffers with anxiety yeah. anyway by barging into her room, which is her safe place. Yeah. Like that's, that's enough. Like that, that yeah, is enough. Exactly. That's enough. Bro. 
Yeah, like, oh, it's just, it was obviously thought out because he bought the stuff. Yeah. The mask. I just you, accidentally stumbled upon yeah, it a mask. Yeah, just happened to be in my car. Circular saw, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I just happened to have Shut it in up. my car and I just thought I'd put it on and scare her. Like, mm. oh, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> He then told the police that he'd hidden, hidden Becky's remains in a neighbour's garden less than 100 metres away from their house. Um, the post-mortem revealed that she had died of strangulation, but there were stab wounds on her body that had, like, been done after she died. So that was that pretty much proves that it wasn't an accident. There was yeah. hatred there. Yeah. On Becky's stomach, there was deep, jagged wounds, but also wounds around her neck, which looked to have been made by a screwdriver. I mean, like, think of the force that they would have had to have used to, like, drive a Phillips screwdriver through a part of the neck. So, I mean... Does that mean that there were two different weapons, a knife and a screwdriver? How can Nathan Hunt still argue that this was all just one big accident to scare the girl? Does the two weapons imply two different attackers? How can both Hunt, um, mm-hmm. how can Hunt be doing both the stabbing her with a screwdriver and cutting into her with a knife? Yeah, this was definitely pre- like pre-planned and. Like, I mean, he kept his receipts as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, okay, if you was going to go and kill someone, yeah, right, you would not keep the receipts of the no. stuff you've brought to no. do that. And especially, like, kept the receipts of a bag that yeah. he, like, was going to stuff the body into. What was he going to do after that? Like, return the bag? It's kind of like he wanted to get caught. Mm. I just don't okay. think he fully thought things out. No. And especially, like, from some of the interview clips, like, you can definitely tell that he's, like, he's got a very childlike mind I find like just like listening to some of his interviews like the way he's like talking he's very much like a like a little obviously at the start he was very like calm Mm. and stuff but then as soon as like it started to get serious and I think sudden like the realization he'd kind of got a bit like childlike and like cowering away like just look like if you watch the interview um on YouTube or something like that you can literally see how like rigid he's gone he's gone all like yeah um but yeah, it was definitely a premeditated murder. And it's so clear that Hunt is definitely leaving Shauna out of the occasion, which mm-hmm. is, like, you know, <sighs> even after pol- the police told Shauna in the next room that Nathan had confessed to the murder, she simply nodded. And the next day, Shauna was questioned again and the police had asked her when she knew about, the, the, about Nathan killing Becky. To which then she just replied, yesterday when you told me. Yeah, and actually we've got a video clip that we'll play because she talks about why she isn't involved Yeah, because of her DNA and stuff. And she's quite like, I don't know, it's not exactly what you would reply if someone says, like, how was you not involved in it? You wouldn't go, oh, it's because, like, I didn't have any DNA anywhere. Yeah. You'd kind of say, like, oh, I would never do such a thing. Like, yeah. How could you say that type thing? So we'll play that for you. Just so I'm clear, as far as the kidnap's concerned, you are not aware that Nathan was planning to do that on no. that day. Okay. How do I know that you weren't involved? Again, I shouldn't have any DNA reason to be involved in again. Especially with my past, to think that I could allow harm to come to somebody else like that is highly unlikely. And again, the fact that, as far as I knew, he was, you know, changing, he wasn't as violent anymore. And, you know, he was going to sort the house out and talk about, you know, I'm carrying his children. I didn't... 
to think that I would know. Sorry. <laughs> Take a moment. What's wrong? Oh. Um. The police then asked her how did they know that she wasn't involved. She replied, well, where's the proof? I didn't touch anything. So, although that Nathan had told somewhat of a reliable story that the police could definitely use as an explanation, they knew Shauna was involved. She had been lying throughout. But why Why stop now? Why not tell the police, like, the truth instead of dragging it on? Yeah, and don't you think it's weird how, like, Shauna's first response to anything was just as like, I didn't touch anything? Yeah. Why would why would she be thinking about, like, not leaving any evidence in a house that... That you know, she wasn't going to take part in the murder. In after all, it was the family home of a long-term boyfriend. Like, surely she'd have touched a lot of stuff. Like, she'd have been upstairs. Like, you know, her DNA would have been everywhere. And it was how long after she went missing? So surely she would have had like a shower. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Like, you know, when when you stay at like your boyfriend's house and stuff, you're you're like in every room. Like even like you know if your partner's like parents come and like oh I've got this dress like yeah. I'll show you this like you go in your DNA would be in every room yeah exactly it's just oh, I don't know it's just not what you would reply to if someone's asking whether you was involved or not you would not say that yeah but I mean like Sean was very careful with her words after the legal 96 hours that were allowed for police to question them the police had charged Nathan with murder however they couldn't prove that Shauna had lied so they also they only charged her with perverting the court of justice as they couldn't just let her go in case that that she was to go out and destroy any other evidence that they could find. Mm. So while they were still kept with the police, they took the couple's phones, the laptops, and then they found a series of deleted texts on Shauna's phone, which was very suspicious. However, the truth of the disturbing motives of the murder was revealed. So remember how Nathan pleaded that this was all an accident and he only wanted to scare Becky? Well, these texts revealed that this was not the case. Yeah, both of their phone's records and internet searches revealed multiple porn searches of young girls around Becky's age. The pair seemed to have an obsession with that type of porn. Um, So it was just the police described it as barely legal. There were videos of petite teenage young girls who were having sex with older men. One of the girls was having sex with an older man by force. Mm. So their texts also revealed how they dreamed about abducting a young pretty girl on multiple occasions in order to keep them in their attic and treating her as a sexual plaything. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it was kind of clear that um, there was a very sexual motive to the murder and it was clear that Shauna was actually involved. Yeah, the police had read the messages aloud to Shauna and confronted Shauna about this and asked if they had planned to kidnap Becky and take her back to their attic, to which she replied, no comment. Mm. And then the forensic evidence showed that Shauna's DNA was on one of the masks and fingerprints were on the bags um, used to transport the body. So really, she has been touching things and then she was charged with the murder of Becky. Yeah, so then the trial began in Bristol Crown Court in October 2015. The prosecution suggested from Shauna's calm, confident appearance that she was the one that put the idea of kidnapping Becky into Nathan's head. Whilst Nathan was in court hunched over and sobbing, Nathan never sold Shauna out. However, it was very clear that Shauna was in control of the situation. 
She was most certainly the ringleader and they believe that Shauna was arrogant enough to believe that she could get away with it. Mm. And then on the 11th of November 2015, after three hours and 27 minutes of deliberation, the jury found that Nathan was guilty of murder and Shauna was guilty of manslaughter. On the 11th of November 2015, after three hours and 27 minutes of deliberation, the jury found Hunt guilty of murder and Hall guilty of manslaughter. Both were convicted of conspiracy to kidnap, perverting the course of justice and prevented the lawful burial of a body and possession of two stun guns. Mm. Nathan was then sentenced to life with a minimum of 33 years and Shauna was sentenced to 17 years. In an unbelievable end to a five-week trial, Mr Justice Dingman, the judge who oversaw the case, broke down in tears as he sentenced the couple and gave tribute to the family about how they had dealt with the case in the past year. The pair was then nicknamed by the media as the new Fred and Rose West, and I guess it does fit. Their motive was definitely sexually orientated. But given the pair's perverted sexual fantasies, it could be safe to say that they would have tried something like this again. Nathan and Shauna lodged appeals against their convictions and sentences, but on the 23rd of June 2016, the Court of Appeal rejected their application saying that there was no reasonable argument that their convictions are unsafe and that their sentences are wrong in principle or manifesting excessivity. Wow, what a case that was. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's crazy that they even did that. How could her own stepbrother do that to his sister? Yeah, um, I think it was definitely Shauna that got it in oh, to definitely. Nathan's head. I mean, there was quite a few texts and definitely, if you're interested in this, definitely read up on them because there was a couple where like she would text him being like, oh, I just saw a very pretty girl down at Costcutters. Um, and then he'd be he'd reply being like, was she pretty, blah, blah, blah. And then she'd be like, yeah, I really wanted to knock her over the head and just take her into the attic. So obviously it was her mm. that was like, you know, constantly reminding Nathan like, oh, Becky's such a bad person. Becky's this, Becky's that. Yeah, like getting it into his head. Yeah. Um, Nathan, I think I read somewhere that Nathan claims that he had learning difficulties and maybe ADHD. I can't remember exactly. But I think if he did have those things, then Shauna could easily get into his head. Oh, definitely. And I mean, the fact that Hunt was... 28 and Shauna was 21 there was quite a large age Mm. gap and like although that's not very like uncommon but it's clear in the like police interview tapes that Shauna was definitely the more like intelligent one out of the pair yeah 100% and yeah I just think she was very manipulative and I think she was the one that wanted to do it and I think she was very arrogant to think that she could get away with it yeah but obviously like they were pretty damn stupid to one leave the um like receipts just lying around and the mm. fact that they don't think that like in their house which was like cluttered with like fridges in the hallway for yeah. goodness sake do you know what I mean that their bath like immaculate bath wouldn't raise flags yeah like they should have had a few showers in there and made a bit of a mess in there if they wanted it to look not weird (laughs) yeah (laughs) squirt some shampoo somewhere there wasn't very clever about the whole situation i don't think no no but what i do wonder about is okay so apparently on the day that becky went missing those two were around becky's house and apparently angie was in for a bit yeah, she, but she but, was in and then went to the hospital appointment at quarter past seven. I'm just saying, like, did she not get detention? Like, she not? Well, she, she hasn't really spoken about it. <clears throat> Angie probably knew that, you know, Hunt 
didn't really get along well with Becky. Like, because obviously, especially if Hunt did have learning difficulties, he probably got jealous of Becky very easily. And obviously, because yeah. Be- like Angie saw Becky as her daughter. I mean, she raised the girl since she was two. Do you know what I yeah. mean? So maybe he thought, oh, she's she's stealing my mom away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's but I I don't know why both of them decided to like stab her after the death. Mm-hmm. Like surely you've killed the girl already. Like there was blood on like the highest bit of the door frame. Like Becky probably was like grabbing on for her life. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, there was obviously hate there to stab her after. But a lot of hate. Could it have been like, because obviously you know penetrating gross word but penetrating like the knife Mm. into the flesh could that have been like their way of like some sort of like sexual gratification because obviously they'd killed her in her bedroom yeah so there was no chance of her getting back into the attic like maybe they did that just as some sort of like thrill yeah that would make sense i think um but i was also thinking like will nathan in a few years maybe come out and say actually a lot of this was shauna mm, i don't think so do you not think? i think he was so like controlled and i think like she was Brainwash. saying like she, he is the father to the children i don't know whether she was pregnant or something at the time because in that interview she was like oh yeah, yeah. i'm carrying his child so maybe she was but i don't think he would i don't think he'd rat her out no. And I think especially because it would like affect um the like the sentencing at the moment because if it turned out to be like Hunt was just like yeah, yeah it was all Shauna she'd have to re- re-go into trial. Yeah, that's true to be fair. So I guess we'll see if anything ever comes out of that. Yeah. Um but yeah. No, I really enjoyed like as much as you can enjoy a, a true crime case. I really enjoyed this. Like I spent a lot of time researching into it. Yeah, four hours. Emily four spent. hours I spent on my Sunday looking into this. <laughs> it is an interesting case though, very interesting. But it's, it's so sad that Becky lost her life at the age of 16. Yeah, it was terrible, especially because she was like getting her life back on track. Yeah, bless her. very sad. But yes, um, hope you've enjoyed listening to us. Yes. Um, and yeah, we'll see you again soon. See you again soon. Bye. So I hope you guys have really enjoyed the latest episode of Crimecast. And just to let you guys know, in two weeks, we'll be bringing out a Christmas special. So make sure that you tune in then. Goodbye. Bye. Oh no, is it over? Well, don't worry, because if you head on over to Demon FM Podcasts on Anchor, you can listen to all of our other podcasts, as well as keep an ear out for any new episodes. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and more. Go on, have a listen. I support you.